0: Welcome everybody, and thanks for tuning in. In this episode, I was lucky enough to sit down with Erin Walker, who was most recently my supervisor and is an altogether awesome human being. I got to ask her a few questions about educational leadership, her inspirations, managing professional conflict, and all kinds of other stuff. There's also some sage wisdom in there about being what others need you to be when they need it. I hope you like it. I'm Mike Verizer and this is ed knowledge. Okay, folks. Today, episode 2, I've got a very special guest, my former boss, the lovely Aaron Walker. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Mike. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing I'm doing quite well. Uh, just get a chance to talk to you. This isn't really going to be a podcast episode or anything. I just Wanted to pick your brain a little bit. So uh, now nah, we, we'll, we'll be uh, popping this on, but uh, again, in thinking about folks I wanted to talk to, you were, you were right at the top of my list as, as uh, uh, people I wanted to have share with me. So I uh, wanted to get into a couple of topics today, um, but for those listening who may have no idea who you are, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself, uh, current situation, uh, where life has taken you to this point maybe?
1: Sure, sure um it's a real uh, true privilege to get to talk to you today i was excited when when you uh, asked me um so i uh started out in education uh way back in 1983 i was hired by our i guess they call it our legacy board the hastings and prince edward roman catholic separate school board um and i did uh, five years of junior teaching at uh sacred heart school in badawa I, I met uh, my husband uh, in that time frame and asked to transfer to Picton, to St. Gregory's. And I was told I was the first person to ever ask to be transferred to Picton, which was kind of fun. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I began there in 1988. Um, I must confess, I had been a student of St. Gregory's for uh, all of my uh, grade one to eight years. And it was really fun to come back to be a teacher. So I taught there. Uh, for 10 years, um, seven and eight predominantly, and then in the last couple of years in the primary grades. And I think I may hold the, the claim to fame of being one of the last teachers to be moved on the mandatory transfer policy that our board had at the time. Uh, originally it was seven years, um, and then over, over time, it got up to 10. So after my 10 years at St. Gregory's, uh, I had to go into the transfer rounds in the spring and pick a new school. Mm -hmm. And I really, at that time, uh, I had, uh, dabbled in, uh, getting my special ed qualification. So I completed my specialist and I really wanted to, uh, try a job. So I was looking for a cert role. Right. And, um. I was fortunate enough to land in a, a full time CERT role at St. Michael's in Belleville. Mm-hmm.
0: So, wait, wait, I, I've got to pause you there because I've heard this story before. And I know that initially you shared with me, and I hope you don't mind me sharing that there was some apprehension initially about, about moving. Oh,
1: absolutely. I did not want to go. I yeah. fought it every step of the way over this. Yeah. Uh, the first year and the seventh year, Um, I forget what happened. I think I was on a maternity leave. And so it didn't happen. The following year, uh, a number of teachers were pink slipped. And so they decided not to transfer anybody, Mm on the mandatory list. And in the next year, we went back into contract negotiations and and EECTA was able to change it to 10 years. So, I, I mean, I told my sad story to everybody who would listen. Uh, I did not want to leave that school. I just wanted to teach there for my 30-year career. Right. Um, I would had grown up in Picton. I was living in Milford. I had two small children. And I, uh, you know, even my parents at times would be out in, in public situations, ran across uh, our chair of the board, somewhere at the time, tried to plead my case with her, and and she said to them, "It will be the best thing that happens to Aaron." And at the time, I could, I, I laughed when they told me that. Like that's bogus. That's
0: bogus. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? How, <laughs> How do dare you? you? You're messing up
1: my life. You're sending me on a forty-five minute drive every day, right. leaving you know a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home, and a, and a husband who runs his own business. And I didn't need that kind of uh, mess up in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to choke it back. I think I've told you this, Mike. It was absolutely the best thing that mm-hmm. ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Landing at St. Michael's um, changed the trajectory of, of my career. Right.
0: <laughs> and And... I suppose what happened from St. Michael's.
1: Well, um, I was there three years. Um, again, being transferred from small uh, rural Picton to big uh, St. Michael's um, was scary, and I really thought that I would be, you know, maybe a little bit behind. I, I worried about uh, did I have the the amount of prerequisite experience that taking on the cert role uh, needed. Uh, but what I learned um and i say this to a lot of people if if you just make it worth the while of others to spend time with you yeah then all of those things go away so i worked really hard i remember the first year i had a caseload of 75 kids and myself and i was the only cert in the school um, and i tried my very very best to just make the time we were doing withdrawal in those days um, to make the time those children spent with me worth the while and uh i really thoroughly enjoyed it i had three great years and it was at that point um that people started to say to me have you ever thought of um, administration and to be honest i had not Mm -hmm. i was this young mom being forced out of my school community (laughs) against my will and now i was landing in this this big school uh, but there were so many opportunities to expand my skill set and try new things and learn things about myself predominantly and others. And at that time, um, uh, a gentleman named Bill Gua, who was the principal, he's since passed away, and Jim Kennelly were the P and the VP. And they put a lot of faith in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was given great latitude uh, to explore and think about uh, what administration could look like if I thought that that was the way I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So from there, um, I came to the board office the first time. Right. So there was a position here in student services, and um, uh, I came here. Um, again, remember, this is the girl that fought to move from... Uh, Saint Gregory's. Coming a little bit further yeah, neck, now. Yeah. Now I'm right. coming to Napanee, um, and I'm I'm driving still from our home in Milford, and I'm coming to Napanee, and now I'm driving to um, the rest, the whole board. But uh, that experience, two and a half years as a SAT, and then six months as coordinator. Um, again, uh, I go back to the our chair of the board, saying it would be the best experience possible. It so opened my eyes. Um, to a lot of things and Mm -hmm. I met a lot of incredible people uh, because of that opportunity.
0: And and that's actually something I know we've talked about this beforehand, Aaron. but uh, what I wanted to make sure we talked about today was relationship. Uh, So you've mentioned relationship with students, so you've mentioned relationship with peers already. Um, I I knew not before like I, I didn't know that this was necessarily going to be something that we did a, a series like this, or a recording of episodes, but I knew uh, that you'd be the candidate or someone to talk to uh, probably like our second or third day working together and uh, I remember I th- I, we were at a school in the west and not the geographics matter, but I don't know anybody uh, really working out there or didn't at the time. Um, so we're touring a building and every single person in that building, uh, there's some students, but, but more significant to me was the staff everybody uh, is stopping Aaron how's it going how are the kids and and you're reciprocating like oh yeah how's how's uh, variable X or how's team this or how's uh, uncle so and so it was like you had a uh, you, you had a, a piece of information or a, or a relationship a pre-existing relationship with everybody we came across I I knew then uh, that this was definitely something I wanted to 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 follow uh and 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 pay attention to because it, it seems so profound uh that you could come into a building and people don't go to their classrooms and make sure everything's in line or worry about the state of their room or anything like that you're you're you're, you're there and they're out to greet you it's uh it, it, there, there's a warmth in that in, in those relationships that i really wanted to make sure uh we talked about today um i think if, if we look back at like the the Maybe the Picton uh, or the the Saint Mike's Day. So the Saint Gregs or the Saint. When we're when we're teaching in the class in, in a classroom role or in a cert role, you've alluded to it a little bit already. But how did you approach how did you approach relationship building, or was it was it something like with, with peers specifically? Was it something that you worked uh, out of your way to achieve, or was it just a part of your nature, mm-hmm. or? Talk to me about that.
1: That's a good question. I was thinking about um, what I, what you might ask me today, or what I would talk about when I was driving here, and and I think the thing I want to say is that yes, naturally, I, I think I'm a, uh, a relationship person. Uh, I'm interested in people. Uh, human behavior is is incredibly, um, interesting to me, um, but it took years and maturity and experience to to, uh, change the way I build relationships. So I know that in my early years of being a teacher, I know, I look back, uh, I I had more ego out front than I do now. I uh, could be easily hurt by the comments of others. I was perhaps incredibly defensive at times. And I would occasionally find myself in, in opposition, uh, to, to somebody else on staff, based on, based on uh, point of view, based on value systems, based on, um, a lot of things. And, um, I learned from those lessons. And, uh, over time, I have to tell you, as I got into my early forties, I started to see that, um, leading with or being with having your ego out front Mm -hmm. not only tripped you up but it tripped other people up too Mm -hmm. and i started to um mature and i started to realize that um i needed to put all of that stuff behind me Mm -hmm. and i needed to genuinely uh, interact with people um, in a way that would make them feel um incredibly comfortable Mm -hmm. um, and want to spend time with me. So back to the make it worth their while and people will come to you. People Mm -hmm. will talk to you. People will want to spend time with you. And I made it a whole lot less about me and more about them.
0: Right.
1: And it's amazing what you start to learn about yourself and about other people. um, When you put people first, Um, and, and you, you just sort of let them be and tell you. And, um, a long time ago, I read something that said, um, you know, give people not what you think they deserve Mm -hmm. because there's judgment in that. Mm -hmm. And I know in my early days, I might've judged other teachers. For example, you know, I was always enthusiastic about coaching. I was always enthusiastic about putting on plays and, and engaging in ways that kids could really benefit from. Mm-hmm. And there were times in my career when I would look to teacher A or teacher B and say, how come I'm doing all of this yeah. and you're not? Sure. And, you know, when you, I learned, when you have the scale out in life, you're always going to lose. Mm-hmm. And no matter where you are, if you're putting things on a scale, it's never going to balance out in your favor. Mm-hmm. So learning that, reading that, or hearing that from somebody, I can't even remember, but. This idea that you give people what they need, not necessarily what the world or others or even sometimes in your own brain what you think they've deserved. Mm-hmm. And that changed the way I interacted with parents. It changed the way I interacted with teachers, with students. Because there are days where we think this person does not necessarily deserve to me to be this patient and this collaborative and the, all these things. But if you focus it on what does this person need in this moment, mm-hmm. um, I found that relationships um, started to deepen. I found that people knew that they could trust me, right. that they could come to me. Um, and I, I just focused on looking at that person and saying, what do they need in this five minute interaction? Mm-hmm. Not what do I need to get done? What are they interrupting me with? What have, what have our previous interactions been? It was like, what does this person really need from me right now?
0: Right, selflessness, yeah. maybe. Yeah, well, again, it's it's definitely something I observed. I was, people are people are flocking, <laughs> flocking to talk to Erin Walker right now. I don't know, I don't know what she's doing, but I've got to i got to pick up and practice some of that too. Well, I remember.
1: I got, don't forget, I remember that day. It was early on in our um, our relationship with each other. You had just like, accepted like the sa- two, yeah, yeah you just accepted this SAT rule and we went to St. Joseph's and you have to remember, I was a vice principal for one year at St. Joseph's, but it just seemed that day that either the teachers that were there were people that had worked with me at St. Gregory, I knew them from St. Michael, and many of them were still at St. Joseph's from the time that I was a vice principal. And I just kept running into, kids too that i was connected to in strange far out ways yeah but um that happens in smaller. You communities. can
0: say you can say good timing, but I don't know. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I buy it, but I, I'll accept that. I it was an
1: incredibly I think, good. I remember leaving you thinking, yeah, Mike is going to think I know everybody. I'm in, the best. Everybody <laughs> in the city of Belleville, yeah. and I don't. It yeah. just that day, the stars aligned, yeah, yeah. and a when lot it, of my previous relationships were and, there. And I
0: think part of why it stuck with me is I, I think implicitly, like you understood, probably explicitly. Uh, that I needed that I needed those connections to be successful in, in a brand new role that I'm jumping in. So there's probably a timidity or a nervousness. So yeah, I, I was just uh, appreciative uh, of the, well, the forthright I, effort to get I, me into. Well, I a wanted
1: to model that, and on top of that, I was I was leading with. What do these people need in this moment? Yeah. And all of them needed me to acknowledge them, to spend a little time with them, mm-hmm. to talk to them. And it, it, we went from class to class that day and we were welcomed in every room with open arms. Yeah. And no, like you said, nobody worried about what we were interrupting, what was going on, the state of affairs. Um, it's you great know, learning happening. Yeah, right. We just went and we saw some such cool things. Yeah. If you remember, yeah. you, you were I kind do. of, um, you know, and you start out when you start out where your affiliation has been in one side of the board, you start out knowing that area really well. And yeah. that's the joy of being an SAT mm-hmm. is you get to cross those imaginary boundaries of East West. And you get to see the whole board in operation, and you meet all kinds of really interesting people, and you get to see cool stuff. Yeah. And and that's that's one of the biggest benefits of. So, I,
0: I can't help but think like, well, Aaron, she's she's, she has this advice uh, advice about giving people what they need or meeting people and providing what they need. But this could be in a book, or this could have been a fortune cookie for all you <laughs> know, or you remember. I, Really sage advice. Do you were there any sort of like formative relationships that you felt you had over the years, or is this something that I suppose is this is this a mindset that you're developing like from within, like with support of hey a, a, a serendipitous uh, <laughs> book or or article or whatever it was, or are there folks that you may have looked to, or what what uh, what do you think that uh, what do you think that Again, can contribute to that,
1: that is a really good question. I think that I formatively, um, my family, uh, my mom and my dad, who I'm very fortunate to still have at 86 and 87. um, You know, we're very actively engaged in our community. And I watched my dad, um, people always say I resemble my mom more. We have some very similar characteristics, but then when they get to know me, they'll say, wow, you're a lot like your dad. Mm -hmm. So my dad, you know, grew up in, a, in a time, uh, he started out and when they first moved to Pecton and, and uh, a cement plant had been built there called Lake Ontario Cement. It's had multiple names since, and he started out as a laborer mm. and, uh, he worked his way through that business and, and retired, um, as plant manager, he had 18 years as plant manager. He, ma- he actually managed two plants, one in one in the States too. Um, and I watched him over the years. I watched, that no matter what was going on, uh, you know, I remember as a, as a young adult in my 20s watching him work through a nine-week strike mm-hmm. of, of, of the union in the plant. And my dad always stayed calm. Mm-hmm. He always looked uh, to life with the lens of, you know, today I'm going to do the best I can today. I'm going to work as hard as I can today. And I'm going to go to bed tonight, get a good night's sleep, and I'm going to start over tomorrow. And I'm not going to lay awake at night stressing what I didn't do today or what I might have to do tomorrow. Um, I'm going to just do the best that I can. And he, um, you know, as I watched him retire, and, you know, certainly his people are retiring and they become saints. But (laughs) the the men men and women, they got up and spoke at the various uh, retirement things that I went to, talked about how fair he was, Mm -hmm. how calm he was, how he took time um, every single morning. You know, as a plant manager, he would throw his coveralls on when he got to work and go out and tour that plant Mm -hmm. and talk to every single employee every morning. And uh, so they were connected to him. It was part of his connection. It was also part of his whole accountability and, and just wanting people to know that he cared about them, but he also cared about the work they were doing. And he cared about production and he cared about all of those things.
0: They don't have to be exclusive, right?
1: No, (laughs) no. And so that tour was served many, many, many purposes. Um, He has some incredibly funny stories to tell, Mm -hmm. um, that I won't go into, but so I think formatively watching my, my dad deal with life, um, and deal with the stress and the strains of managing people. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then experience. I say to people, we are who we are based on every experience you've had up to this moment in time. Right. And so I go back. and had I stayed at that teacher at St. Gregory for 30, 30 plus years, I would not be who I am today. Right. It, it was having to form new relationships when I go out to St. Michael's. Having to make those people want to come and work with me. They didn't know me from a hole in the in the ground it was landing here um, as an SAT and being catapulted out into this big system again Mm -hmm. where people didn't know me Um, you know they they you know what it's like they look at you they say who is this person Uh, but if you make it worth their while if you engage with them and care about them and talk to them and then follow up and Mm -hmm. do the things that they have asked you to do they immediately become your ally and Mm -hmm. your friend Um, and then then you know stepping into principalship vice principalship one year and principalship back at st. Gregory's (laughs) uh, where there were still some of my colleague friends there as teachers right and having to take on the reins of, of leading a place that I cared so much about my two children were still there. Sarah was in grade eight. Dave was in grade five. I had my nieces and nephews there as well. Um, I knew, I knew I had to, from the get go, um, be on top of my game. Uh, and I sort of modeled what my dad did. I tried to go for a walk in the morning. I tried to go to breakfast club every morning and sit down with kids because that's where I learned the most about them is over a piece of toast. And whatever, Um, to get out onto that playground, to be at that door as the buses are coming in, uh, to try to get into as many classrooms as I could, to meet kids and teachers, uh, you know, wherever they were. Mm -hmm. And then the hardest part uh, was when somebody arrived at your door is to turn away from your computer Mm -hmm. and give them what they need. Mm -hmm. Because... You're right in the middle of some report that's due at the board office in ten minutes, yeah. <laughs> and so and so, you know, who just likes to visit with you every day, just for connection point, yeah. is in your doorway. Yeah. And I, I just could never be the type of principal that asked them to leave right. or closed my door. Right. I would, I would continue, um, and and I think I think those relationships, um, you know, they they saw that um, they they matter to me that I cared about them, um, that I would have their back. Um, at the same time, um, I, I made it my goal to make sure the parents felt the exact same way about me. Because mm-hmm. when you step into administration, it's that triad of you have the back of the kids in this school, the teachers in this school, and the parents. Mm-hmm. It isn't just the kids and the teachers. Mm-hmm. There's that group out there. And sometimes supporting that group feels maybe an opposition to this group. But um, I tried to do with a parent, you know, when they would arrive. Sometimes parents ask you uh, Mm -hmm. to look after things or to do things that you know you really can't do. I never once said to a parent, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I would say to them, I'll look into that Mm -hmm. and I'll do my best. I never left anybody over the law, over a weekend that was upset. So if a parent called and left a message on the school machine at 4.15 on Friday, Mm -hmm i would call them back right it's the last thing you want to do at 4 15 or 4 30 or 5 o'clock but all i would say is i got your message i'm on it Mm -hmm. there's not much i can do till monday but i promise you i will look into this and i'll do my best to help you out Mm -hmm. and and you know sometimes when you did get back to them you had to say well actually in my investigation i've discovered this but um, you know I never I, I never left parents hanging either. And, and that uh, sort of solved a lot of issues. Um, and I always let them in my door even even sometimes when they were riled up and mad <laughs> and really should have gone for a walk and come back. So I learned you know how to, how to handle those situations through so, experience.
0: And that's actually it's a nice little segue like we'd planned that or something. we is it okay if we talk about conflict a little bit yeah absolutely i i i feel like conflict at the best of time it, it's it's sometimes like a uh an unescapable element right you 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 talk about the human condition and you introduce a, a whole bunch of human variables and perspectives and stakes uh i i i do know that uh there are times when not conflict but at least tension uh is is Going to permeate throughout a workplace, or throughout a classroom, or throughout a community. What what do you do, or what perspective do you have? And, and you've spoken to this already to a degree. I, I just any any mindset, or is it a reactive, assess the situation sort of approach to to managing conflict? And I don't need you to drop any names on me no, by I, <laughs> any means. But. I
1: won't do that. Um, conflict is inevitable mm-hmm. with human beings, and you know you hear people say oh, I hate conflict and my answer to that is who loves it? Yeah. (laughs) Nobody that I personally am in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't love it either. Everybody, every one of us wants to go from our, you know, the minute we step into whatever workplace we're in to the minute we leave and we'd like everything to be calm, cool, collected and have have people be happy with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I work with the, the premise that nobody really wants conflict or goes looking for it. Some people seem to find it more often than others. Sure. Um, and and you know, watching people, you you learn that very quickly. Um, but but you can't be afraid of it. So I, I I started by saying nobody wants it. But if you run from conflict, then conflict finds you and eats you up. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I again, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you that the first couple of times that. Conflict started to happen, especially when you're in the administrator role where it's all sort of, they, everybody looks to you to solve it, that I didn't get the butterflies, that I didn't get the sick feeling, that I didn't, you know, it, it happens to everybody. Your stress goes up. You're, um, but I only know one way to solve problems, and that's straightforward and straight on and as honest as you can be. Mm-hmm. So when conflict arose, I always made sure that I dealt with it, that I listened to both sides. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes to three sides, mm-hmm. because there's a lot to be learned from listening to the bystanders or listening to people who were caught in the grass fire. Right. Um, and and I always um dealt with that. Now I learned early on, um, especially with kids, you know, I would do this great, great you're in conflict with your buddy and you come in to see me and we'd have this awesome conversation. And then I'd bring your buddy in and, and I'd have an often awesome conversation with him too. But it took me a while to figure out that I had to bring those two awesome conversations and awesome people together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the other thing I learned over time. You can't just deal with these things with one person, deal with that you actually have to work towards, um, which I didn't know at the time was called restorative practices. Right. Mm. But you have to restore that relationship. You have to put things, you have to make things right. You have to, you know, work on that. So um, conflict did not (laughs) have... you know it's not like i i i didn't have it i had lots of it but i learned to not be afraid of it i learned to tackle it um and and as you watch people and you spend time with people and when you live with that philosophy i'm going to give this person what they need in this moment not Mm -hmm. maybe what they might deserve Mm -hmm. based on all the pieces of this puzzle i'm putting together uh if you give them what they need in that moment most people when they're really really angry just need you to calm the situation Mm -hmm. uh so buying some time never never reacting um You know same thing with kids kids get in terrible conflict and you know in the early days of zero tolerance and all the number of students that we were supposed to be uh, suspending I learned that um, I could take some time and make good decisions and so if if a bad event had happened on Tuesday it didn't mean that I had to suspend student A or B on Wednesday I've
0: I've defaulted or I've I've learned myself not with those stakes of suspension necessarily but I I have seen that as a Like in in the classroom mistakes are made and and sometimes I can get heated or anybody gets heated right it's okay to not have an answer in that moment and say hey you know what we're going to address this but I need some time to marinate on it right like I I completely I'm picking up what you're laying down yeah
1: yeah because um, whenever whenever I made a snap decision Mm -hmm. based on maybe what I had just seen or heard and didn't take the time to toss around in my mind what I had just seen and heard, and then go talk to other people who had just seen and heard the exact same things. Mm -hmm. It came back to bite me. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, all anybody, any human being wants, whether you're uh, in a situation where you're a kid and you've been in conflict or a parent that arrives or a colleague or anybody, they want to know that they've been listened to. Right. And if you don't take the time to listen to both sides, um, somebody loses and the whole story uh, does not come out. So, um, you know, lots of people, more A type personalities who like to do A, B, C, tie it all up in a nice bow and be done with it, have mm-hmm. difficulty saying, I'm going to ruminate on this overnight or I'm right. going to spend some more time thinking about this and I'm going to come back at it tomorrow. Um, but that that's when I, you know, when I talked to, when I was teaching the principal's course, that was probably one of my biggest messages. Do not jump to conclusions. Do not jump to a solution uh, too quickly. Right? Because everybody wants to know that you've heard them and that you're considering their point of view in this decision.
0: Hmm. you You mentioned the principal's course. When you made that when you made that jump to admin, did you, I'm sort of moving away from conflict now. I think. Did you notice relationship? Like uh, you've spoken to it a little bit, but did you? And you can be earnest or or honest here if you want. Did did that shift? Did you? Did you notice shifts in previous interactions or or relationships? Uh, Maybe a nervousness in speaking to you where there wouldn't have been, or uh, uh, any any sort of adjustment in the way people perceived you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when I started, um, when I went back to St. Gregory's um, the second time as principal, um, I had this naive thought in my head for a, just a momentary time mm-hmm. that I could go back there and be just like I was as a teacher and be friends with people. Right. right. And, um, you know, I I had some really good people in my life that had been down this road of, of principalship. And I picked over that, that summer, I, I uh, picked a lot of their brains and, um, all of them said to me, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same. You mm-hmm. don't want it to be the same. Um, <laughs> and people are, are going to treat you for a while differently until you show them what you've learned between the time you left them and now, right. Right. Cause I had left them, uh, let's see, uh, six, Seven years previous, right. and now I'm back, and now I'm your boss. Um, and and I, they needed uh, they needed time uh, to uh, to see that I had learned a few things. Mm-hmm. And so I have to tell you, the very first time that I walked into the staff room and people quit talking, <laughs> like a nice, silence, a, a nice a nice <laughs> feeling that was, I'm sure. Um, I went back to my office and I felt really bad. Right but then i i thought no you know they were discussing something that they need to discuss um and i stepped in at maybe not the most appropriate time Mm -hmm. Um, i found that most of the people did give me lots of leeway and they did um allow me that time to show them that i had learned a lot and that i i had the best of intentions and that i was here to You know to work with them
0: Mm. let's uh take a quick break yeah all right aaron we're back uh i wanted to talk to you about one more topic a little bit tangential i don't know if it's immediately connected um motivation Mm. uh specifically that intrinsic motivator or extrinsic motivator i want to talk to you about what you have felt has motivated you across your career and, and if that's ever changed or if you had maybe certain uh, ambitions that shifted over time um, just more out of curiosity than anything
1: um, motivation and and everybody I think is motivated um, on different days for different reasons mm-hmm. um, I don't know my my motivation came from again go back to my formative years from from a family where um, you know my uh my parents uh were excellent role models at being motivated to work hard being motivated to be a strong community member motivated to work on whatever 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 people need my my mom uh My mom uh, spent some of her career working in in probation and corrections and she ran a program uh, of community service in our community. Mm -hmm. And she did that after years of being home with us and then then went back to work. Um, And uh, whatever group, whatever situation came up in our community, she jumped on whatever committee uh, that was available. And not just to spend nights out at meetings or afternoons, but to actually make a difference and to, to do work that would better the lives of other people. Um, and you know, we still at, at 86, um, when I have her out and about, she's legally blind now. So when she goes out, she has to have somebody with her. There will be people that stop her um, and call her by name and continue to thank her for the chance that they were given at a really bad point in their life, right? Meeting so,
0: meeting someone. Yeah. And again, them I think what they need. I think
1: if my mom could have summarized it, she would have said, "I'm not giving them what maybe the world thinks they deserve. Yeah. I'm giving them what they need." Right. And I and I watched her. So dad, you know, dad did the climb the the corporate ladder, and my mom was out there um, in the community, being um, all things for all people. Um, and I remember when I got my first job. Um, they both said to me and i was cashier at amp 16 years old we got this job my mom kept bugging the manager until he gave me a job she said to me now i got you that job you got to keep it and my father said to me go to work and do more than is expected of you
0: Mm -hmm.
1: just do a little more you know go to work and do more than is expected of you and that always rung uh in my mind so I sort of worked that way, um, just doing that little bit more than was expected of me, Um, and and I was not a person that had this five-year plan or this ten-year plan. Um, Jobs just seemed to come, opportunities were presented, Mm -hmm. um, and I I had a I had a a really great boss one time say to me. Look after the job you have right now, and the next one will be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. And that sort of aligned with what my parents had taught me. So I I was motivated to do that a little bit more. I was motivated to be a person that people could count on. I was motivated to um, make life a little bit easier for mm-hmm. for others. Um, and I, I worked, you know, I worked six years past my retirement date. Uh, because I got a lot out of personally out of whatever job I was doing and I got a lot of people are so kind and they're so generous with their praise when you are a person that sees them in the light of give them what they need and not perhaps what they might deserve Mm -hmm. so I stayed with it because I enjoyed it a lot and I got a lot of personal satisfaction out of being able to help Um, and I and I always I like to see a need, start a project and get it somewhere. Cause right. sometimes in education, we spend a long time spinning our wheels, yeah. talking about stuff. Sure. Um, but you know, the motive, the motivation too, and I'll, I'll go back to, cause she asked me about conflict. And you know, when I went to be a principal, how that, how that felt and how that changed. Um, and what I didn't know, when you're a teacher in a school or you're an ECE in a school or you're the caretaker, the secretary, you you think you have the, the big view of things. Mm-hmm. But it isn't until you step into the vice principal role or a principal role and the lid comes off that school and you get to see all the components at work. Mm-hmm. And what I was shocked by is to find out what many of my colleagues we're actually dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, When when you're a teacher, you might be really close to the person next to you, and you kind of know their trials and tribulations uh, and what they're experiencing. But it was when I stepped into um, that administrative role and people started to confide in me and tell me things, and it took me back to the days that I had some of that judgment about others. Right. Like, how come I'm doing all this and you're not? Right. When I realized that person was doing absolutely the most, the best, um, and they were doing more than was expected of them given the circumstances that they were dealing with. Hmm. And if I think we think about people and kids and families in that light, that um, you know, if, if you're home and you have a happy home life and you're paying your bills and things are going as planned, you are so lucky and so, um, so what's the right word? You should be so grateful and just thank God every day because mm-hmm. there are so many people in this world, people that I didn't know anything about beyond their school persona, mm-hmm. that when I got to experience what they were actually really challenged by the way the deck had been stacked against them, the things that had happened to them. Remember I said, yeah, we are who we are based on every experience up to this moment in time. That was the biggest aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that totally took this notion of not what they deserve, but what they need to the nth degree. So when you're sitting as a classroom teacher and you look at you know, how great I am, and I'm coaching <laughs> this and I'm doing that, <laughs> and that woman beside me does nothing but arrive here 10 minutes before the bell and leaves 15 minutes after. Right. Do you really know what's going on in the rest of her life? Mm-hmm. You have no right to judge it. And you should just be thankful every single day that you are in a position to do more and to add to bring this added value to kids and to schools because you have the capacity to do that. Not everybody does.
0: Call it empathy. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah and you know the difference i learned that too the difference i had a lot of sympathy for people for a long time right and when i flip to empathy empathy makes us do things differently right Makes sure, it's a call to action it's like okay you gotta you gotta do this you've got to accept this or work with this person because yes i have sympathy for their situation but if i stay in sympathy i don't change what i do i don't change my interaction, I don't change my expectation, I don't do anything to help that person. So empathy means that I I understand, I feel for them, and now I wanna do something. Mm-hmm. You know, back to my mom. My mom, uh, one of the best stories ever, there was a young guy, gotten himself into some kind of low-level crime in the community, and he'd done his community service, and he praised and he thanked my mom, and he came back to her and said, you know, I've just been offered this job, but it's in Belleville. And I think I'm going to have to turn it down because I I got a car, but I don't have enough insurance money, money for the insurance. Mm -hmm. And my mom lent that guy insurance for one month. Right. And she said, I will give you money for one month. You get over there, get that job, do more than what's expected of you. She Mm -hmm. gave him the same advice she gave me. The drill down, yeah. And really shine at that job. Right. And then you'll make enough money to...
0: Cover that insurance. Cover
1: that insurance. And she didn't she didn't want it back. Right. And he came back to her ten years later to tell her that, you know, that was a plant, that he was now in a managerial position in, and that he had never forgotten what she had done from him right. for him. So the difference between sympathy and empathy, empathy made her give Action. him, you know, that that hand up.
0: Right.
1: Not the handout, mm-hmm. the hand up one more question for you sure
0: and then we'll we'll wrap things you've been uh awesome i've been really appreciative you've been able to give me your time today uh balance uh now we, we've had some jokes you said like oh yeah retirement living like it's been great i have all kinds of opportunities to do different things now we say this you've been in at the board office today uh talking about a project so it's it's uh it's something that I did want to talk to you though, because it's something that I've been incredibly mindful of. Um, something that I think everybody needs to be mindful of and, and actually act on, act on, I think. But a work-life, a work-life balance. balance, what does that look like for you? How did you maintain it? When did you know you were away from it?
1: Well, <laughs> my husband and I were talking about this the other day because since, since March, since our first, you know, sort of foray into this, foray into this being home every day till now, you know, he comments on, on, um, I'm been home and been around and been available and been, uh, more than in all the 37 years previous right. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the balance, I, I don't think you can ever reach balance, but you can, you can choose priorities. Right. Right. Every, one day for whatever balance
0: through priorities like balance
1: through priorities or choice um and priorities lead to some kind of balance right um it's one thing you know we we talk about as as um you know the age we are and our kids are 28 and 25 and on their own how life is like back to being it's all about me we can do whatever (laughs) we want we can you know but i reflect back to the years um, where that wasn't possible, where I worked full time, my husband ran his own business, and we had little kids, and we made choices and we made uh, decisions at times. Uh, you know, in those early formative years, I, I taught at St. Gregory's, um, and I didn't. You know, and that's why I fought leaving. Mm-hmm. But there were times I know that that the work. Um, and whatever job i was in would take me away mm-hmm. but then when you were home you cleared the deck and you gave them your undivided attention and mm-hmm. you engaged in activities that they loved or simply sat and talked about the things that they wanted to talk about. So there were times when mom was away, dad was always there because his business is across the road, but I could be away and, and home late or off on a conference and probably not anymore. Will ever anybody ever go to conferences? But uh, I, I had the opportunity to attend some awesome ones. Uh, and that's where I picked up a lot of these things I think about too. Sometimes right. you have a thought and then somebody confirms it with a one liner. I love one liners because they take a lot of things that I think about and they, they give it a place consolidate to, them. Yeah. They consolidate it, but yeah, ba- choice and priority will bring you some kind of balance in your life. It's never going to be on it in any given week. Somebody might lose out, uh, something that, that part of your job takes you, um, you know, to do is, is going to look in the imbalance kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then you can correct that ship. Um, you know, busy weeks. Um, you think about writing report cards as a teacher. Yep. I remember it. I remember it. I've never forgotten it. That's my other advice to anybody who who is listening to this and ever considering um, administration. Always remember how much work that was. Always remember how much stress that put on your family. You know, I didn't cook well for that time. The house was a mess. The kids might've been wearing you know, clothes that weren't uh, ironed, whatever, because your whole time and attention was in that. Um, And it takes a lot of time and attention to do those report cards well. So don't ever forget that. Don't ever be mean that. Don't ever, you know, um, I once had somebody say, oh, it's a lot of of work to read them. I said, it's not nearly as much work to read as it was to write, (laughs) right? And when you offer your feedback, offer it with some kind of of, uh, positive, Um, the other line I like is challenge, not crush. Right. Right. So in some of these conflict situations and some of the, the times that you have to encourage people to do better, you do it in a challenging way, not in crushing their spirit and crushing their, their self-esteem. Um, but you know, the, the, Balance is different for different people. Some people are high energy. Some people can stay up late and get things done at nighttime. Mm-hmm. You know, others need to go to bed. So you got to find a place um, that that works, and then you you take on those busy busy times, and you make sure that you, you you get that life back, and you spend time with the people who need you when that time is over. But you're never going to ever. I think I think trying to find balance is not. A good goal (laughs) because I don't know that we'll ever find it Mm -hmm. Um, but knowing your priorities and knowing the how your choices affect those priorities is is an important thought
0: purposeful choice-making
1: yeah yeah and 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 presence and presence so that that uh, what bothers me now when I see a lot of young families out together and and I love my cell phone I'm as addicted to it as anybody else but when I see young families out and of course you don't get to see them as much now but previously out for dinner and mom and dad are on their cell phones like mm-hmm. and i'm like put that away mm-hmm. you know spend time look that kid in the eye and talk about um what, what their week's been like what their days like who's you know who's doing what um it was it was that when we would peel back you know take our kids to our cottage for a week and just spend that week doing whatever they wanted to do and, and i've asked both of my adult children, you know, did they feel, did they feel like they lost out on anything because I was a working mother? And, you know, they tell me that, you know, there were maybe a few times in their life where they remember feeling like, where the heck is mom? But the most of it, they they feel that we, when we had the time, we made the the interactions Use the we used it so yeah. well and and cleared all of the other responsibilities so we could just be family mm-hmm. but you can't do it every single day but you can be present to your children every single day mm-hmm. you know once you get home um, put it away um, and that's not
0: I, I think that's good advice uh, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not right like it, it's it's uh, for anybody else who, who like you may not be a parent listening yeah. you may not be uh, a spouse i i was talking to laurie about this as well like it, it's it's about taking that time for yourself maybe or taking that time for the things that you care about yep. most yeah right? your relationships yep. your peers, and really your knowing friends. that every
1: everything that's important to you in your life you have to work at mm-hmm. right i once had a, a teacher that i taught with she was she was a really wise lady say that anybody who thinks they've got any relationship in their life all sewn up and they don't have to work on it is going to get a bold face reminder right. uh, that they don't. Every single relationship requires work, requires effort. It requires you sometimes putting your ego in the background and again, being for that person, what they need. And sometimes it's a, it's at hard times because you're saying to yourself, but I need,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, it's a lot. It's a lot of, of giving, um, and then it comes back to you. It comes back to you in a hundredfold mm-hmm. um, through through all of the people uh, that you meet and all of those um, experiences. So, you know, I I look back um, when I got to, to June. 30th. Um, it was a happy day. Really? Uh, I celebrated retirement day. Retirement day. Um, I had an awesome parade of people from the board office who paraded by my house and mm-hmm. waved and honked and celebrated. And you know what? I didn't need anything more than that. And people will say to me, well, you missed out on the big parties. And, the... and I said, no, you know what? It was perfect. Yeah. Um, and at that, at that point on that day, I had no regrets. Mm-hmm. I have only uh, Thirty-seven years of one experience leading to the next, one job leading to the next, one opportunity, and the person who gained the most was me. <laughs>
0: Aaron, thanks so much for today. You're welcome. Uh, anything else?
1: I uh, know. I think I've talked enough, Mike, you know, and I, I really, I really appreciate you asking me to do this. It's, um, I will say one last thing. It's the self-reflection. Mm-hmm. When I got here to the board office the second time, the last eight years, and I was engaged in leadership development and and working with principals and teaching the principals course, to be successful in this crazy world we live in, you gotta be prepared to get to the end of every day and say, whew, okay, some of those things went well today and some didn't go so well. What do I have to need, what do I need to do differently to fix those things that didn't go so well today and uh, you know I continually say the only behavior I have any control over is my own mm-hmm. so it's that self-reflection on on okay I didn't do well in these things tomorrow I've got to do better that will continue to make people thrive and survive if they can't do that if they can't understand the role they've played if they become too much of the victim of their circumstance then then no growth happens right. and But successful people I've watched are those that can say, yeah, I really messed that up and I need to go back and fix that um, and do better tomorrow.
0: Hmm. Aaron, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, as always. Uh, I hope we get a chance to do some of this again. Sounds great. All right, take care. Talk to you soon. This episode was brought to you today by me, I've been told by my podcast hosting service that reviews are good and important, so if you liked what you heard today and you're able to do that, thanks. Or don't. That's cool too. I'm just really thankful you tuned in. I'll leave you with a quote from Desmond Tutu. Do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Thanks for listening, folks.